Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to global news and social artistry. I'm your host, Dick Dalton, and each week we have the pleasure of talking with someone who is building a more humane world from the inside out. And here we are on a Monday on KOPN Community Radio in Columbia, Missouri. And my guest today is right there in Columbia, Missouri, David Weber, uh, Professor Emeritus in Political Science over at Mizzou. Uh, welcome, David. Hello, Dick. How are you? Oh, it's, uh, it's a good day and uh, yeah. weather fantastic. So what can we say? <laughs> I don't know you, but I looked up homelessness in Columbia, Missouri, and your name came up on, uh, on my search engine, and it connected you with uh, a column that you wrote for the Columbia, Missourian, I believe, uh, maybe yeah. last spring even. Well, um, I, I've actually written for the Missourian since 1994. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. And I've written a lot of columns on homelessness, I would guess, I don't know, 25 at least over the years. Uh -huh. um, and I did spend some time with the Tribune, too, mm -hmm. I guess in the 2000s. Uh, okay. but, but homelessness is, uh, you know, I volunteer at several homeless uh, uh, services, I guess you call them, you know, soup kitchens and mm -hmm. room at the inn. Uh, right. and, and I, I pay attention to homeless people around town. Mm -hmm. So before getting into your academic area, why don't we find out why you became interested in homelessness? Well, I think it was 2009, Columbia, we had a big snowstorm. And I saw, heard or saw someplace that the big Methodist church downtown was going to be opened mm -hmm. for people who were living on the streets. Mm -hmm. And I lived oh, about five blocks from campus mm. and I knew the traffic wasn't good and they didn't have enough people to put up the carts and things like that so I just walked down there I enjoy walking in the snow as well and I um it was upstairs in the uh, um, that big Methodist church in a big the annex gymnasium. yeah yeah in the annex mm -hmm. and they probably had you know I don't know at least 25 cots back then, and it's been up to 50 at times. Um, but I, I found that not only did I enjoy it, but I think I was good at it. And mm -hmm. I, I think part of it is the similarities of talking to students, to be honest with you. Um, so I found that I could strike up conversations with people and ask, you know, ask them uh, if we could, um, if they were hungry or if they had any uh, clothing needs that we could fulfill. Um, so I, I just grew at it incrementally. And then uh, about two years later, um, they had no place to put it, no place uh, to continue this service. Uh, and then uh, there was a guy um, who was a homeless himself, but he, for ex in exchange of staying at that shelter, he was the manager. And it was an old greenhouse over by Stevens Lake. And it had about 20 beds. Um, and I volunteered every Monday night, I remember. Um, mm -hmm. And I just hit it. I mean, I just uh, uh, was good at it. 
I mean, I found efficacious, I guess that's the fancy word. <laughs> and I thought I was fulfilling a, a, a need. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just really listened to people um, and it was easy to do. I mean, um, but I really watched this guy. His name is Shannon Stewart. I have occasional contact with him. He's in Colorado now, but I just really watched him. And I, he was, um, uh, he had a, a tough life himself. He had been in prison, drugs, all that stuff. And he spoke, he spoke to a couple of my classes. So I know his life and I, he spoke publicly about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just watched how he, how, how compassionate he was and how he really knew, um, uh, he improved my people skills, quite honestly. Um, so it's been a, um, uh, a, a positive, positive, enjoyable experience. And I've learned a lot about why people are on the streets. Um, and and what the needs are in a place like Colombia. Well, can you can you go ahead and share oh, sure. some of that okay. with um, us? Yeah. Um, I'm more of a writer than a talker, so <laughs> I don't know what. Uh, well, I've written uh, two complete plays about homelessness that have been performed in Colombia. The oh, first. So you're a playwright, right? Well, um, I've tried. I enjoy that too. Um, and um, one of them, the first was A Night at the Shelter in 2015. So that was six years ago. And, um, and it was directed by a woman, Carol Bryant, here in Columbia. Um, and I really tried to show the interaction of the homeless guests and mm-hmm. the volunteers. Oh, good. Okay. And some, you know, some clashes and some, uh, 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 I don't think I had enough conflict in it to be a good play because you know um it was too civil uh-huh. then i wrote a second play um uh, a night at the shelter no no that was the first play um chuck's jungle hmm. a night at a campsite and it um it was based on um a lot of conversations with several guys at a, from a campsite. I didn't go to the campsite, but it was, um, I feel that they let me into their lives and I'm very um, protective of them, I would say. Good. So uh, my view of the homelessness, I mean, I, my specialty is public policy, uh, but my view of, of the homelessness is from their perspective and I've kept that. I mean, I do care about public policy and the bureaucracy of how to provide these services. But what I really care about is these guys on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I get a little impatient uh, at times mm-hmm. with uh, why things have taken so long, you know, to uh, provide a more stable, um, secure home for some of these guys. And I'm not uh, particularly a big government person. So mm-hmm. one people don't need to accept my perspective but i want them to move along and get going on this mm-hmm. and you know and, and if we ain't going to do something then let's say that and let's find something else mm-hmm. uh, so if we had uh three uh, goals or uh, uh approaches to homeless people uh or unsheltered folks uh, yeah. 
Um, one, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling this from a friend of mine, Phil John Cox, uh, experience in Ashland, Oregon. The first is to humanize the person, the people. Mm. The next is to stabilize. And the third is to self-actualize. Mm. Oh. So it sounds to me as though you have become mm. a master or you are mastering the humanize aspect and uh you're looking for ways uh better ways for the community to stabilize uh the lives of those folks and i don't know how much columbia does in that uh aspect of self-actualizing or helping them move on um sort of up the ladder so to speak yeah no, um, I've not read that book, but I, I, mm -hmm. I will order it today. Um, seriously. Oh, that, I, yeah. And I'll just share the title with you. It's uh, Small Town, Big Problem, uh, Solutions for Homelessness. Uh, just a little book uh, by yeah. Phil, Phil John Cock. John Cock. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah. I like those three goals. And the... Um, uh, there are proposals in Colombia for a 24-7 shelter of some type. Wonderful. But people have talked about this for, mm -hmm. you know, seven years, seven mm -hmm. or more years than I know of. Mm -hmm. And I've stayed focused on um, those, uh, those goals. And uh, I do like that language. Mm -hmm. I've never heard it before. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing uh, I do, and when I talk to people about homelessness, I'm amazed. Um, how quick I have arguments with people about panhandling. You know, they ask me, whether do I give money at the stoplight? And I, you know, and I just think that's a story. I mean, why would they ask me that? Mm -hmm. They think that's, I guess, they think I'm out recruiting people to panhandle at the, at the stoplight. But I tell them it doesn't matter to me whether you give them money or not, but uh, I encourage you to look them in the eye, mm -hmm. to stop and talk to them. Mm -hmm. And I, I realized um, I've had to learn to become comfortable. Mm -hmm. In 2009, uh, the, the first couple of times I volunteered, I'm sure I was not, you know, at, at ease. But just like in, in teaching, and I'm sure you have found the same thing. I can remember my first classes and I wasn't very comfortable back then either in, in, in teaching public policy to college students. Mm -hmm. But I've learned over the years <laughs> you know yeah. how to do that sure um so uh and and i can understand um uh women have told me you know they don't they're not going to talk and stop and talk to any men especially homeless men and i say well then you can talk from your car in the summer i carry water with uh, bottled water mm -hmm. um i found uh i i eat a banana every day and i happen to walk to my um uh, to the grocery store so um, I buy extra bananas and I can always put two or three in, in my car and I don't give them out every day, but um, I might put a $5 bill on a banana and, and give it to a homeless guy. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but most importantly, I think, is I stop and talk mm -hmm. uh, and talk to them. Mm -hmm. And then I, I like the uh, um, self-actualization. I mean, mm -hmm. I think the ultimate challenge is how do you uh, uh, all humans want meaning in their life 
Okay, right. and I, I think we need to find uh, ways to engage homeless in taking care of themselves even. Right. I work at a, 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 um, a soup kitchen, Loaves and Fishes here in Colombia, I volunteer there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I noticed uh, we have to pick up the litter in the parking lot. And I've noticed there's a couple of uh, guests of the soup kitchen who enjoy doing that. So I'm thinking, well, why do volunteers think this is a terrible job when you can give a pair of gloves and a bag, a garbage bag to someone and he, he will enjoy doing that and get some sense of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So I, I, um, my issue in, here in Colombia is we need to think more about those kind of things. Mm-hmm. We need to assist people, not provide. We don't need to um, spoon feed them. Uh, um, in many cases, now there are people who are who have more dire needs, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm reminded of a young man you probably uh, bumped into in Colombia more than once. Uh, he always wore uh, the sort of camouflage uh, military uh, gear and uh, sat uh, at 10th and Broadway or 9th and Broadway, somewhere in that area often. His name is Rick. And uh, oh, yeah, I know him. Yeah. I know him. So we we would talk whenever I happened to be in town, uh, you know, going to my show or, or whatever. And uh, one day I said, you know, I'm not here very long, but uh, you're just you're sitting here and doesn't look like you have a lot to do. Um, I got a book here. <laughs> it was my book. <laughs> uh, uh, would you, you know, just want to thumb through it and just see what you think. And uh, uh, first time I, I offered that, he said, no. Uh, second time I offered it, he said, yes. And uh, so it was just a, a way of uh, giving a, a little piece of me and, and, interacting with him and uh, you know we we did that for quite a long time uh, the, yeah. few, the few times i was in town but that humanizing aspect is so uh so so important they're yeah they're human beings just like yeah. you and me and hey yeah you know what do we say uh, there but for uh the grace of god go i <laughs> yeah yes yeah and what um i always tell people i've only read one Danielle Steele book, oh. but I did uh, similar to what you did. I, d- I did a Google search a couple of years ago. I put in homelessness, and her name come up, and I knew mm-hmm. you know she was a best-selling romance right novelist or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this book is a gift of hope, and I read it, and I saw this is me. Uh, this is the best um, discussion of homelessness f- the way I think of it. Wow. Okay. And she, uh, you know, she's a multimillionaire, but in San Francisco, she got a, a, uh, an old van and put, you know, uh, started collecting or bought sleeping bags and clothes and food. And every, uh, once a week, I'm not sure how frequently she went out with them and they found people and gave them um, what they needed in terms of uh, uh, shelter for the night. Mm-hmm. And she realized, you know, there's no doubt this is just so small. This is a, a you know, we're a drop in the ocean, mm-hmm. you know. But we are, we are. It's a gift of home. A gift of hope is her title, wow. um, and we are uh, um, experiencing joy ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And, and um, effectiveness. Uh, um, 
and she uh, and giving them some hope, give, brightening up their day. And it's mm -hmm. it's a two way street. I don't mm -hmm. see um, people think it's a great service, and I don't particularly feel that way myself. I mean, I enjoy doing it. I think that, that um, people, I, I, very much like college students, honestly, right? We know that they are the most lonely people in the world. Mm -hmm. And if you stop, if you hang back after class and wait to see whether anyone wants to talk to you, almost every day someone, you know, will have a, just a brief conversation. Mm -hmm. And I was, my approach was always thinking, well, this may be the only other human they talk to all day, right? And same with homeless people that they may not talk to anyone else. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, you know, uh, I think there's a population that we know of but don't talk about much, and that is even high school students that live in their car yeah. because they can't go home. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and how, how important would be the, the teachers that they interact with uh, and have conversations or yeah. not uh, yeah. to humanize that person's uh, situation yeah. yeah and i uh, i remember in, uh, one of my early experiences uh, the, uh, at that formal greenhouse that i, I described mm -hmm. uh, about the second or third year of what became room at the inn there was a guy there who who i learned was a sister a brother of one of my former students oh and he he, he was a, a drug user kicked out i mean uh, in um I'm sure people think this was harsh, but his his parents were at at the end of the road, right? He stole their their um, silver and their valuables and sold it for drugs, mm -hmm. right? He was told. I mean, they didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So after they spent a lot of money on their uh, drug rehabilitation and stuff, they threw him out of the house. Wow. So he ended up on the street. And then I learned that his mother volunteered one night a week so she could keep an eye on him and talk to him hmm. at this greenhouse. Oh and then when I put all this together, I was just amazed uh, um, that that could happen to any family. Mm -hmm. um, and we, you know, um, people are always shocked when they say, you know, oh, I didn't think this would happen to me. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like a traffic accident. No one thinks the accident's going to happen to them, mm -hmm. but we know these things happen. Yeah, or you lose a job, or you lose your health insurance, or the variety of things that put us uh, out of our house and uh, <laughs> needing help. So I'm going to take a moment, uh, David, yeah. and, and reintroduce you to today's audience. Uh, this is Glocal News in Social Artistry on KOPN, your community radio station. And um, I'm Dick Dalton. Uh, my guest today is David Weber, uh, Professor Emeritus over at Mizzou uh, in political science, uh, officially uh, retired from one aspect of uh, teaching in 2013, but you continue to work with uh, Asian studies, I think yeah. is yeah. what you had mentioned. Yeah, well, the, the first year after I retired, or I guess the reason I sort of retired early was to, was to go to South Korea. And I've I, I taught there several times, and I, I, I had an opportunity to teach for one whole year there. Um, and when I come back, I've taught oh, uh, one course a semester for the Asian Affairs Center. And I, um, 
Uh, I don't know that I, I can't remember if I taught a course specifically on homelessness, but I've taught about race in America. I've taught about, um, uh, we did, um, I like plays. So we, we did 12 angry men. Oh yeah. Or, or now it's 12 angry jurors, I think, or 12 angry people. Um, <laughs> and then we, we uh, visited the courthouse and a, a judge, uh, uh, spoke to the class and stuff. So uh, I've, I mean, I've um, uh, it, tried to introduce them to Columbia too, from the street level, you know, just right. not from a academic, academic. Wonderful, level. wonderful. And uh, so, in this, and that's related to your Asian study uh, interactions. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Have Have you uh, hasn't Mizzou taken some groups of people over to South Korea as well, part of uh, a... Yeah, um, we have an Asian Affairs Center um, and uh, uh, several academic programs, which I participate in. Um, and then uh, I don't see, uh, we do have an exchange. Uh, the city of Columbia has an exchange, um, mostly with a city in Japan. Hmm. We do have a, 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 a official or on paper exchange anyhow with a small town in, in, uh, in South Korea. Yeah. So there's a lot of interest in, in Asia around Colombia. Mm -hmm. um, and Asia, um, I don't know, this the Asian Affairs Center probably, oh, we probably have 100 participants from Asia, mostly South Korea now, because in the last couple of years, uh, China has not supported sending uh, students uh, to the U.S. Oh, okay. so that has has constrained it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, are you familiar with uh, in South Korea, for instance, homelessness? Uh, does that yeah, well, occur there? Yeah. Well, uh, but they're pretty t tough, you know. I mean. Um, it's a very strict society. So you see homeless, uh, mostly homeless men, you know, at the railroad station mm -hmm. uh, or in front of the train station um, mm -hmm. uh, is, is the popular place for them to go. Mm -hmm. um, there are a couple of centers, but they are very, um, uh, it's a very strict society, as uh -huh. China is too. And China's problem is more children. You know, they have a lot uh, um, because of the economic transformation. Mm -hmm. A lot of parents from rural areas go to the city to get mm -hmm. uh, to find jobs, mm -hmm. and then they leave their children with their parents. So the grandparents mm -hmm. are bringing up these children, and at some point, you know, they are they get tired or don't know what to do and then uh, children head off to the city too. So uh, there is a home, uh, I would say, a, probably home, um, children's homelessness is probably the major cha cha challenge for China. In South Korea, it is more uh, men, um, you know, uh, they have a mandatory retirement at 65 oh. uh, if, uh, and they don't always have income to, to match that mm -hmm. right and then with modernization i think that maybe uh, young people can work longer and harder than 60 year olds or whatever mm -hmm. so they get displaced yeah. uh, 
from, um, from jobs. And you see them, uh, they have a very advanced metro system in South Korea. And you, you know, uh, there's articles in the paper and my, I saw them myself. A lot of people ride the train all day. I mean, that's the, uh, what they do, you know, to, uh, to use the time, I guess. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we don't have that in mm-hmm. Colombia because we don't have much of a public transportation system, you know. Which is uh, uh, very relative to the conversation about homelessness. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the uh, one of the six <laughs> essentials for people to feel uh, stabilized is having transportation. And uh, I, I was talking to Elizabeth uh, Eichenberger last week on the show, and she said, "Yes, uh, of course, Columbia can provide uh, some bus passes, but we have such a." Uh, in a sense, inadequate route and timing system that it doesn't maybe serve our uh, homeless population very well yeah. at all. Yeah, and I can appreciate, I mean, from a public policy perspective, I can appreciate the challenge, right? It's sort of a, a chicken or an egg issue. Right? Uh, you don't get riders until you have routes and you don't have routes until you have buses which you need to have riders to buy. So we haven't, I don't think we've really been able to solve um, our transportation, public transportation Mm -hmm. uh, challenge um, in Colombia. So that means that a lot of, um, of all, even appointments, uh, even uh, medical appointments, Mm -hmm. um, homeless people have trouble getting to at times. It, It depends what the situation is. And then any uh, uh, job interviews or job opportunities are limited because of lack of transportation. Uh, and then I've learned, oh, uh, one guy I've dealt with a couple, uh, probably three or four years ago, um, uh, some guy called me and told me, uh, called me on the street. He knew my name and I heard someone calling me and he said that um, he had a, a job interview uh, but he didn't have any clothes to wear. So could I, would I drive him to Salvation Army and he could get some clothes? And I gave him 20 bucks and he picked up the clothes and I drove him home. You know, so I, I wasn't worried about him drinking the money or anything like that. Um, so he, he did work. He's um, probably worked less than six months, say three to six months. Then he was hit by a car oh at, at, at a crosswalk. Okay. And the insur- the uh, person had no insurance, and was was impoverished. Was a low income person, a low income driver. Mm-hmm. So um, I I found uh, I, um, I was able to suggest a couple of lawyers to for him to uh, talk to, and the lawyer said, you know, I mean, they turned they did not take his case. There's no money in it, oh. right? Right? I mean, it, mm-hmm. uh, and I learned about this. I mean, this is a it's a big need in society too, really, that, that we don't give enough attention to. Mm-hmm. Most of the legal, they get paid by a, a percent of the settlement. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so if they don't see any economic incentive, right. they aren't going to take the case. And mm-hmm. I don't blame them individually, right? But he, so I see him on the street now, and he's hunched over, mm. 
you know, he, he, he wasn't able to keep that job. Uh, so he was on the road to self-actualizing and he gets hit yep. by a car, no yep. legal help, no insurance help, no. Yeah. Yep. So now he looks, I mean, he's deteriorated. So mm -hmm. he looks not as presentable as he once did. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I probably, this is probably over maybe a four year period mm -hmm. that I watched this. Wow. And, um, and I guess the feeling um, that I feel the most to be, oh, the, when I go home, I guess what I know I feel is, um, I guess powerlessness, Yeah. right? That I feel I should be able to do something. I should be able to find an attorney to take this case. Mm -hmm. I should be able to help someone find a warm place with a library close, closes at, at nine o'clock right. and I can't. Yeah. And that, uh, that's frustrating. Yes, it is. Yeah. So uh, do you know if your friend had a phone? Well, uh, he did it from time to time. And that's, oh, that's always a big issue. Okay. I mean, so what's the, what's the problem with providing a free phone? You know, we have a number of services in Colombia that provide for different things. You mentioned loaves and fishes and, and yeah. uh, room at the end, but there's a, a, a whole consortium of groups that are at least in name doing things, but maybe, maybe there's not an organized list and process that uh, is in place. Like providing a free phone. Yeah, I agree. I've learned a lot about homeless individuals and I've learned a lot about social service providers, or uh, I don't want to, just not government. Uh, a lot of the times it's not government, it's uh, religious-based groups, actually. Mm -hmm. But I'll go back to my analogy to, or, or the parallels between homeless people and students, mm -hmm. right? For us on campus, we know there are all kinds of advisors for everything, right? But it, if you are a D student, Okay, or um, and you are worried about your health or being pregnant or whatever, or being arrested, whatever it is, right? You don't see the, the counseling or, or the career service office. You don't see the counseling office, right? Mm -hmm. It's not part of your perspective, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so a lot of times, uh, really, uh, and I've seen it, and I know this is true, I mean, people, uh, uh, with the best intentions, suggest that they go to a particular place um, for a phone or for uh, food stamps, right? And they just never make it. Some people just never make it. Right. right. And I had a, um, a, a former director of Turning Point actually uh, told me that, uh, what he had learned is that um, perseverance, that what people who aren't in those situations have that homeless maybe like is perseverance. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, sooner or later, I'm gonna figure out how to get what I need. Mm -hmm. And but because I don't need to worry about uh, my heat or my food, those things I know I have, mm -hmm. but I'm, you know, I'm, um, trying to find a new activity to get involved in, or I'm trying to find healthcare, 
And I know if I ask enough, I can find it. But the, it, the small, small things are challenges mm-hmm. to people who, right. to students the same way, right? I mean, the A students got to find how to get, you know, the application for the scholarship. The C plus student is just trying to, you know, make it through this semester. Yeah. And those are folks that have a room typically to go back to if they're on campus anyway. Yeah. yeah. Unless they have fights with a roommate, uh, right? And they are feuding and they don't uh, want to go back. Oh, you know, wow. Then, then they are staying somewhere else, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, oh, I, uh, this was because of the schedule. I remember a homeless, a guy was homeless in January, a student, mm-hmm. because um, he came back early. Uh, he, he, he had to come back for something a week or two early. And the dorms, the dormitories hadn't opened. Right. And he had no place for a hotel. Right. So he, he was at the bus station. You know, so uh, there's a lot of transitional problems. Yeah. yeah. Like that. Uh, how about a mailbox? Uh, what would a person without uh, a place, uh, without an address? Yeah. <laughs> how do they get mail? Well, that was a problem. Um, here in Columbia, they can um, uh, send it to, uh, use the turning point address. Ah. Uh, I believe it's, uh, I think it's 702 Wilkes Boulevard, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been a, a big plus. That's probably been, uh, I don't think 10 years, but probably seven or eight years they've been able to do that. Okay, and that's great. Been a very, uh, uh, that's been very helpful. Wonderful. So we've got a check mark next to mailbox. Yeah. That's, that's in place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about health insurance? Oh, uh, no. Well, okay. There's some in kind. I mean, there's a, uh, what, a family health center, I think, which is part of extension through the University of Missouri. I don't know how extensive their, their um, services are, and I don't know who can use them. But, but on paper, I mean, that program exists, and mm-hmm. a lot of these things exist, mm-hmm. um, but you don't know how to tap into them. Uh-huh. Um, and a lot of them, uh, they, you know, they use the emergency room, mm-hmm. and, and I've taken uh, several guys uh, uh, I guess it has all been guys. It has all been guys. Now that I think about it, to uh, the uh, ER, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's uncompensated care, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know exactly what these people's needs have been. I, I, I mean, I, I, a couple I can think of off the top of my head, but my um, I'm almost a claim to fame. One of my earlier articles that got me a, a, a lot of attention um, was in the Columbia Tribune. And I told the story of a guy who, um, his real name was Curtis, but I started posting on Facebook call updates. Hmm. So I, um, to make a long story short, and this is probably the first time I really felt um, totally helpless, hmm. okay? Hmm. Uh, I was, at, um, I was in charge at Loaves and Fishes on a cold night and just a closing time, uh, uh, um, a taxi came and dropped off this man. Okay. And I said, you can't do, you can't drop it. You can't do this. And the guy, the taxi driver told me that uh, MU emergency room paid him $12 to transport this guy to Loaves and Fishes. Oh my goodness. To get my and I wrote all this in the Tribune, mm-hmm. okay, so I, I don't feel bad talking about it. 
And, but the responses I got, well, I mean, I, I remember um, a doctor who just uh, emailed me and said, that's impossible, that could not happen. I go, well, it did happen, mm -hmm. right? And what I've learned is that, you know, we have these processes that work for us, okay? And they don't, I mean, I, um, they don't work for everybody mm -hmm. and we cannot see them often, right? We, we deny these things. And that's our first, I mean, that's a human response, which I've learned to understand. 20 years ago, I wasn't so good at understanding it, I don't think. But this guy, I mean, he was, he's an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. he, he had unsolvable problems, right? He, uh, people don't like to see people, humans like that in the, in the emergency room, waiting room, right? right? So I don't know what they should have done, but they should not have done what they did. Mm -hmm. Okay. But anyway, to make a long story short, I ended up um, following, I mean, interacting with him for several years. And I always posted on Facebook, call update. Hmm. I saw him today at so-and-so. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then um, uh, uh, he was hit by a car too. Oh my. Uh, and then, but someone, someone, uh, he, he got um, uh, housing. Someone paid for it, and I, 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 hmm. I'm told it was, you know, a wealthy, elderly woman, uh -huh. and I've never heard that. I don't know where it came. I mean, but hmm. he did have housing hmm. um, for a while, and then he lost it, you know. Hmm. Um, but in, in, along the way, I met his, um, some homeless guys. Told me that he had a daughter and where she worked, oh. um, and I went and met her, which was a a new experience for me to walk into this place and say, ask for her and say, you know, uh, do you know Curtis? And she said, yes, that's my father. Wow. And um, I, to make a lot, uh, I'm going on too long with this one story I know, but to, uh, I followed them and her for several years mm -hmm. and he died about uh, right at the be beginning of COVID. Oh, I wow. think uh, hmm. um, not of COVID though. Mm -hmm. um, and I was invited to a balloon release in his uh. Cool. Memory, yeah, which I went to, yeah. and I was surprised that it was a couple blocks from where he used to panhandle. Oh, so wow. I mentioned that to his daughter, and she says, "Oh, that's the house," and she points to a house about a half a block away. That's where we were brought up. So that was his neighborhood. That was his neighborhood. And I just never, yeah, and I did never. So he was familiar with that, and um, that's where he returned to. Yeah, you know? that humanizes a person yes yeah. yes yeah. yeah this man had a story yeah he had a story yeah. Yeah. yeah and i've tried to write i mean some of my columns mm -hmm. i've written about people like that yeah well let me take another uh, opportunity oh, to reintroduce you david uh and to greet you folks uh, on kopn today this is glocal news in social artistry where we talk to folks that are building a more humane world from the inside out, at least the best uh, that they can. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Dick Dalton. And uh, today my guest is David Weber, uh, Professor Emeritus in Political Science over at Mizzou, uh, still teaches with the Asian Studies Program, has been interested in homelessness uh, here in Columbia and elsewhere for a long time, written uh, columns and uh, op-eds for Tribune and Columbia Missourian, uh, written a few plays about homelessness. So um, this is uh, a subject that 
um, touches you possibly every day because I was thinking you commented earlier that at the end of the day, sometimes you feel powerless and frustrated. And it, it, it got me to thinking, if you feel powerless and frustrated, what does a person that's stuck close out of the system? <laughs> well, I think some of them have come to accept it. I think one misconception that people like me had before is that these people, you know, act desperately, and they don't. I mean, the, the, um, though humans, they have sense of, senses of humor. They have friends, uh, compatriots, I guess, on the street. Um, uh, they have stories, you know. I mean, um, and they, it's, it's not an unpleasant place to be, for me to be, right? Okay. Um, if I was in those shoes, I suspect it would be unpleasant. Mm -hmm. But like the, the, the um, play that I wrote about the um, Chuck's jungle, mm -hmm. a night um, at the camp, mm -hmm. um, uh, they have, um, uh, you know, as, uh, uh, interactions with each other. They have feuds and friends, um, just like anybody would. And the challenge is to make it through the day, or find some food, find some clothes, or find some water. Uh, uh, yeah. But that's a distraction from a, a more stable, what I would think, what I still think to be a higher level of activity, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, um, a lot of um, the public library is a common place for them to go. Some of them read books all the time. Oh, and they, okay. I mean, uh, I can go in there and I, I can probably find someone I know uh, at, at, at any time. Um, and some of them read my columns, quite honestly, um, <laughs> so, I mean, which I'm surprised. I mean, it's, it, that's been revealed over time. They don't come out and say that, but then there's a reference uh, I, I, and I get the message. Yeah. Um, that's one other area for you is uh, the public library, isn't it? Don't you have some volunteer time there? Or? I will, um, I was on the board, uh, okay. the board of trustees for what, eight years, I guess it was. Mm -hmm. And one of my big uh, uh, concerns was if, you know, um, it never come up, but I was worried that there would be a proposal to become more stringent with um, how long people could be there and things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, but that never happened. And I am very pleased with how, uh, back when I, um, I went off the board when I went to Korea. So in 2013 was my last year, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but that also led me to, you know, my new issue. Uh, I had a, a column in the Missourian in June about public, public hygiene downtown. Okay. Um, because when the library closed, that took away uh, restrooms and water. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, like in March and April of a year ago, 2020, I guess it would be, mm -hmm. I ended up, um, and I wrote the mayor about this in the city council. Um, I gave away a lot of water and, uh, I learned to make eight or 10 sandwiches a day. And I would, um, uh, um, take them to the right places, you know, where people, uh, I knew some guys would be. Um, but I really realized 
that there is no public water fountains uh, between Stevens Park, I mean, between the edge of town on an east and west. So mm -hmm. Stevens Park and Flatback, Flat, Flat, Flat Branch Park, uh -huh. water fountains, and then Douglas Park. Okay. And, I, you know, I've talked about this 50 times, and people's their first response is, oh, no, David, that can't be true. <laughs> and I go, well, show me, you know, and th th there was no public water fountains. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, one of my ideas is I have pictures on my phone of um, fountain, fountains on the side of public buildings downtown. They could put a, a faucet, a drinking faucet on those. Mm -hmm. right? And it doesn't need to be 24-7, 12 months a year. Uh, these, uh, it could be, you know. 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. in the summer, right? I mean, that's better than nothing. So I, I'm not a, a purist in that sense. I don't think we need to have a 100% solution. It's better to have a 20% solution than nothing at all. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just learned, I mean, I really got on, I mean, I've learned um, this because of the, the closing of the library, mm -hmm. uh, because of COVID, not, it's not their fault. Um, but that was, certainly was a place where people could use the um, the restroom and, and and get some water. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember uh, during COVID, I was out uh, on my peace vigil in the at front of the post office in Jeff City. Uh, once a week, I do that, and uh, some guys came by and said, "Is there any place a person can use a bathroom down, yeah. down here?" And well, you know, so many places were closed. And what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. I... And I'm just amazed. I mean, people uh, really, I mean, uh, their responses are uh, understandable, okay? But uh, <laughs> everything from, well, why don't they go buy a Coke and use the restroom there? And I go, they have no money, right? you know? And now I'm gonna buy a Coke, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and then secondly, people say, well, but the city building is open 24-7. And I, I just checked this out two days ago. I went down to City Hall. And they say, no, we close at 5 o'clock if there's no public meeting. I say, are you open on weekends? No. Why would we be open on weekends? Mm -hmm. But people in authority think that, of course, you know, there's uh, places uh, with fine hygiene facilities. And the mm -hmm. And they just aren't, you know. Yeah. And in, um, I don't think we have this problem in, so much in Colombia as big cities, but churches across America have been closed because of homelessness. I mean, and, I, and again, I don't blame the individual church, mm -hmm. but the, uh, but as public policy, we need to do better. What is the uh, downside of having a porta potty? Uh, strategically placed. Well, we do have those now. Um, the uh, Parks and Rec, uh, there's at least two from time to time um, that are out and, and, uh, in downtown Columbia. Okay. In the, down, in the downtown area. Um, right. um, and that's better than nothing. Mm -hmm. So let's not mm -hmm. take them away. Um, um, But uh, there's no hand washing there. There's no drinking there. 
you know, the, uh, so it, it's uh, it, it's a partial solution. Yeah, mm. it's five uh, percent of one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we we keep getting our percentages a well, little bit at a time with this and that. Yeah. Well, and I actually did. I mean, I spent or oh, maybe a week in June reading about this. Um, and there was a, believe it or not, there's an American restroom association on, which shouldn't surprise us. As, I mean, as a political scientist, I should have known there'd be some interest group uh, <laughs> promoting it. Um, but the uh, bathroom, the restroom technology has improved considerably. I mean, there can be uh, timed uh, locks on the door. So, hmm. you know, from, again, from 6 a.m. to from desk to dawn, it, it could be closed. Hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know what people would do then. I do know what they would do then, but um, it's better to have it from morning to night than not at all, I say. I, I, and then safety, safety, <laughs> you can see through, you can see if anyone's in there and things like mm. that, you know. I, I just had the thought of the person that entered the facility at 555, didn't have a watch, and the lock closes at well, six o'clock. <laughs> I imagine a security uh, camera would photograph them, and they would someone would be sent to their assistance. Oh my goodness! Yeah, uh, so many issues. Uh, yeah. Do uh, do you know about uh, food stamps? Uh, do any of the folks that you've interacted with have access to food stamps? Yes. Uh, again, I don't know uh, the the details of that. Mm -hmm. um, how they qualify. I mean, I've given people to the food stamp office, okay. uh, but I, I don't know what the income requirements are. And, and there's, um, uh, uh, I guess um, listeners may be interested. Officially, there's 200, about 250 unsheltered pe people in Colombia, and that has been pretty stable. Mm. Uh, twice a year, they do a point in time count required okay. by the, the U.S. HUD Housing and Urban Development. Huh. Um, but the, so there's 250 official unsheltered people. The housing office now has a waiting list of over 600 people and families. Um, so there's, I think there's more than 250. Um, uh, but but uh, I, I think we have a good food bank um, where almost anybody can go. And transportation is a challenge there, I know. Um, uh, and then uh, Lowe's and Fishes is open um, seven nights a week, uh, 364 days a year. Okay. Um, That's over at Wilkes Boulevard still. Uh, it, yes, it is. Methodist yeah. Church, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, it, um, and it's all volunteer. And uh, I think uh, we should be proud of this. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, uh, mostly church groups provide the food, mm -hmm. right? And, and they do, I mean, this is, um, there's, very few, there's been a few snafus when no one has showed up, but not very often. Mm -hmm. And then when there has been, people put it on Facebook and immediately food arrives. I mean, uh, wow. it's pretty impressive. I mean, wow. it's um, uh, ragtag, I guess you would call it, but it, um, it um, it's amazing that so many people in Colombia uh, have responded to that. And, and that's been, I don't know, probably 20 years, I suppose, maybe more. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. So uh, are you, how familiar 
familiar are you with this? Uh, there's a, a a consortium of organizations uh, like yeah. last week I talked with uh, Elizabeth about True North, and oh. evidently there's so maybe 10, 15, 20 different groups that are are doing those little percentages that you're talking yeah. about that that add up uh, not quite yeah. to a hundred percent yet, but yeah, yeah. Um, there are and um, uh, I know. Uh, actually, I plan to contact some people in Jefferson City about this too. Um, I've gotten to know some of those people. Uh, a former student of mine is the director of a program in in the Kansas City area. And he posted on face, Facebook that he had a half a million pairs of Bombas socks. Oh, yeah. I meant to ask you about that. Yeah. 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 So I, I responded quickly or whatever. And I said, could I get some? You know, he said, sure. I said, how about 500? Mm -hmm. And he said, by gosh, if you come over, if you drive all the way over here, you need to take a couple of thousand. Okay. So uh, I think last year I distributed 8,000 pairs of socks to organizations and maybe 25. I mean, I have some in my van, my car too, which I can give out. Mm -hmm. um, but this year oh, I have 12,000 pair. Um, it's still stored in a church here in town. Um, and it may be the last, uh, these came from China. And um, he told me in May that the, the his supply has been interrupted because uh -huh. of foreign po trade policy. Uh -huh. um, uh, but so I, my uh, approach has been to contact True North and mm -hmm. um, Boys and Girls Club, uh, Turning Point Room at the Inn, mm -hmm. and distribute stocks uh, to them. Um, so again, they're all, but um, uh, it's hard. Um, and then uh, uh, we also have Harbor House, which is mm -hmm. a Salvation Army operation. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that, that's very much needed and appreciated. Mm -hmm. um, I think they've expanded some of the rooms to, to have more families, mm -hmm. um, which is, on one hand, that's good. On the other hand, that takes up space and that puts probably men out. Mm -hmm. um, and it is a challenge. I mean, uh, several women have told me that unless you've been domestically abused, it's trouble. It, it, it's a challenge for them to find places oh, wow. to stay. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And what uh, you're right in your description. I mean, we I think we have lots of pieces of the puzzle mm -hmm. laying mm -hmm. on the table. Mm -hmm. And I don't Oh, I wish we had someone pushing those pieces together in a non-bureaucratic way i mean mm -hmm. i i get nervous when you know <laughs> president reagan used to say that right uh that i'm from the government and i'm here to help you mm -hmm. um i just know it um really and uh, university all uh, churches do this too right but when you have a new program it means you have to have a director then he or she needs an assistant and they have to find someone to assist them and it <laughs> you know and that's yeah. why i like about danielle still actually i mean she seemed her approach was to get a van get some sleeping bags go um take it up and she only did a couple you know maybe 50 people a night right in mm -hmm. san francisco that was nothing mm -hmm. you know um 
yeah. a drop in a bucket. Yeah. Well, David, this is a fascinating conversation. Oh. I, I'm. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank yeah. You. Uh, I wonder what your next step is in this uh, well, sort of passion that you have, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I am basically a writer, I think. So I am looking forward to Mr. John Cox's book because mm -hmm. uh, I've had a similar, and I have a lot of essays on my computer and a lot of columns. Mm -hmm. So I would like to do something and, and um, uh, something to record this, um, some of these experiences. Yeah. And there's yeah. a couple, there's a couple of homeless people I think who would write. And this one play, Chuck's Jungle, mm -hmm. uh, it was only possible because of some direct help of some homeless guys and one of them uh proofread uh <laughs> seriously he proofread yeah. it you know he said you, you know he's uh, you write like a professor you need to you know you, you don't talk like that like we do mm -hmm. whatever yeah. um, <laughs> so that was very helpful to me um, Good. and then i hope to keep yeah i hope to promote public restrooms mm -hmm. in downtown columbia i mm -hmm. uh, i want to be supportive of other people's efforts to stabilize uh, services for uh, for housing. It's, it, homeless isn't the. I mean, homelessness isn't the right word. It's bigger. It's uh, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, you're right. It's too it, complex it, just to call it homelessness. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, thank you, David Weber. Uh, well, thank you, David. Thank you. Professor Emeritus over at Mizzou, still teaching in Asian studies and passionate about uh, finding solutions for what we're calling a homeless problem. Very good. Okay. And listeners on KOPN today, thank you for joining us. We're here each week on Monday from five to six, talking to someone who's building a more humane world. And friends, remember... Wherever you are, that is your world. Uh, please leave your world cleaner, uh, more peaceful, and more loving than you found it. Because if it is to be, it is up to us. Take care and talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.